From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 122 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling. I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you. So did you go to um, uh, the Magic Kingdom for Halloween? Did you go trick-or-treating? I have been a handful of times. I don't I don't remember the last time I went, though. Oh, okay, because I, I know that you got the, uh, what, the Halloween season pass? Yeah, yeah, the party pass, Something and there. I've taken yeah. advantage of it, but that's the hard part is I can't remember when I go and when I don't go. So uh, I've been trying to, you know, I think I, I think I was maybe there last Friday night. So, but I, that's the hard part is we were like for the first couple times we're like, okay, we're we're going to get photographic proof so that way we know when we were actually there, and and then it, it started getting difficult to remember to take photos. Okay, I was ten. In that time of me stalling and rambling, I can see that I did, in fact, go on Friday night. So, yes, I did go to the party, and it was fun. We uh, That night, we met a lot of characters. So, met uh, <laughs> Mickey in his fun Halloween uh, tuxedo. We, we met Jack and Sally in Halloween Town. We met Moana. We met uh, Daisy and Donald. So, I think we've, we've now met all of the characters that we've been trying to meet with the exception of uh, the genie. So still, mm, okay. he he likes to run off for the parade every now and then. So it makes it very difficult to actually mm-hmm. get a photo with him. And of course he's, he's popular. So his line's always long, but uh, it's, it's something that you don't, we at least don't see the genie very often in his normal outfit, except for the Halloween parties. And then, like, for Run Disney races, he always seems to be wearing his vacation outfit and, and such. And I want to say at Christmas, he wears a scarf, maybe. So, to get just Genie by itself is is sometimes, I guess, difficult. But, well, we'll get it. We have one more Halloween party to go to. Uh, we probably, if you're listening to this on the day it was released, we're probably there right now, celebrating Halloween after <laughs> Halloween. Yes. <laughs> Do the parties continue after Halloween? Yeah, usually either a day or two, depending on when the actual oh. Halloween day falls. This year, uh, since Halloween's on a Thursday, they're extending it till Friday because, you know, they, they understand mm-hmm. that people will still go the day after. And, yeah, yeah it's just for us, we'll go and we'll, uh, you know, take in the fireworks one last time and and enjoy the parade and 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 try to try to meet the genie like i said but beyond that like i'm i'm not trick or treating i don't need any more candy so <laughs> yeah. the only way i'm going to do that is if i'm i'm doing one of the uh 
donate all your candy the, to the troops or something like that. Mm-hmm. In, in which case, I yeah. will go around and get candy then. But that's good. Yeah, we um, that we've had terrible winds here, so like my Halloween decorations are a wreck. So I've got to. Um, we're we're. <laughs> I I ask, I put Craig on the spot because we're actually recording two days before Halloween. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, so anyway, so we have not had Halloween here, but I have to do some repair on my Halloween decorations, and um, and I didn't put out the tombstones yet. I don't do those till Halloween, but uh, anyway, but I did take a poll of some of the little ones on our court. And um, superheroes are are the thing this year. We have a lot of boys on the court. Superheroes, that's it. Big, big thing. So um, Marvel is going to be very happy. Whomever makes them, you know, the Ben Johnson Marvel costumes, I don't know who makes them, but um, they did well here. And one of the little girls who's, I think she's in fifth grade, she's doing a, they have to do a report on someone famous. And so she did hers on Walt Disney, so she came over to show me the um, drawing that she did of Walt Disney, which is actually for a ten-year-old was quite good. And uh, she's going to be Alice in Wonderland. Oh, no, that's oh, unique. Yeah, I like that. So yeah, uh, Devin, you're so, right though. A lot of superheroes this year. Probably uh, yeah. one of the the things I saw the absolute most. So uh, last party I went to, I think I saw like even though it wasn't kids doing it, I want to say I saw like six or seven Fat Thors all in one night. And fat thors yeah. so funny yeah was that the costume or were the people you know uh, uh, full figure i would say about 50 50 split there okay. <laughs> <laughs> some some definitely padded up for it and others were already naturally talented in those uh in those uh dimensions so okay but yeah it's it, superheroes as a whole overall is very popular this year that and i mean at a disney party you know you, you almost know what to expect uh, i think there's at least 16 families every night who do all of the incredibles and mm-hmm. keeping the zero superheroes alive in that way tons of star wars and you know and then the, the random assortment of others so it's been it's been very cool having the party pass this year and getting to to go to it a wide sounds, variety of parties. It sounds like fun. I mean, if I lived near the, the Magic Kingdom, I would definitely get it. Oh, yes. I, I like that kind of stuff. Speaking of people dressing up, though, here in Northern California, it is MouseCon 5. This is the this is Northern California's Disneyana convention. And it is on Sunday, November 3rd, 2019. It's from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It is at the Crown Plaza Inn in Concord, California. That's at 45 John Glen Drive. The admission is only $10, and children 8 to 14 are only $6. Seven and under are free. Uh, So, you know, for a full day of Disney, I mean, you can't beat it. There are uh, some of the special guests that they're going to have is Linda Larkin, who, of course, is the voice actress of Princess Jasmine. And she's been in a whole lot of other stuff as well. And, uh, but um, anyway, but that's what we all know her for. She was honored as Disney legend in 2011. Sharon Baird, one of the age nine, you know, she, I mean, she was one of the um, original Mouseketeers. So she was on the show's red team or the first string in it. So that will be 
exciting to see her. Willie Ito, he was he's a native San Franciscan. He was hired on at Disney during the production of Lady and the Tramp. And his first assignment was with the animation crew working on the spaghetti kissing scene. And then he went to work at Warner Brothers in Okay, I think these are two of our favorites that he worked on. What's Opera Doc and One Froggy Evening? Oh, uh, pretty much, yeah, the two best. (laughs) Yeah, he worked on a show I loved when I was a little boy, the Beanie and Cecil show. So they were originally um, a puppet, live puppet show, and he's the one who redesigned them to be an animated show. I love this show. If, I don't know if they have them on DVD or Blu-ray, but I would buy it. So, um, because they had sometimes very sophisticated comedy. So, and then huh. he he went back to Disney, worked in consumer products, and um, anyway, so he is, and he still he now mentors um, Disney character artists in international locations. So he's interesting. Yeah, They're cool. gonna have Mary Gibbs, of course. She was Boo from Disney's Monsters Inc. So, is she related to any of the Gibb brothers, though? Uh, I have no idea. That's fine. So, um, anyway. That's okay. It's Gibbs. The, the Bee Gees. Yeah. Um, they're going to have Gina Rock. She was one. She was the longest flying Tinkerbell in Disneyland's history uh, from 1983 to 2005. So, um, oh, but it says, oh, no, now there's due to her work with FEMA, she's not going to be able to make it so Nope, she can't do it now. So, um, anyway. All right. Uh, Tony Benedict, he he's worked for every major um, animation company. Um, Walt Disney Productions in 1956, uh, where he was laid off when he was 21. But then UPA Pictures, Hanna-Barbera. Then he had his own company. Um, so, anyway, so... He's interesting. Rick Law, he's there every year. He's a a, a good um, director, illustrator. He's worked with the Walt Disney Company over 24 years. Uh, He was a consultant in the creation of Shanghai Disney Resort. Um, He worked on the Walt Disney Family Museum's exhibition, Awaking Beauty, The Art of Ivan Earl. And um, he worked on all kinds of animated shows. Terry Harden is going to be there, legendary um, Disney Imagineer. She's a sculptor and concept artist. She worked on the Muppets. She's a puppeteer for the Jim Henson Company, Craig. So, That's cool. But she, she worked on tons of films. If you remember the Foster Farms chickens, she did those. She was one of the chickens. She was the passenger chicken. And she loves Star Wars. Tom Matusek, who of course is a Disney artist, um, he must live in the Bay Area because he is always up here for things so um anyway he has very distinct his art's very distinctive because he has a lot of geometric patterns in the background so um c andrew nelson is always there he is uh he's uh, was um he worked for industrial lights and magic he was also the voice of darth vader in a lot of the feature films television series and um commercials, things like that. Josh Schaefer wrote the book Discovering the Magic Kingdom. Jerry Cornell, he does those uh, theme parkology videos, which are actually quite good. Gavin Doyle wrote Disneyland Secrets. He's there. Jeff Bam, who, of course, wrote the unauthorized story of Walt Disney's Haunted Mansion and founded 
doombuggies.com and is on the Nostalgia podcast. So anyway, so there's a whole lot of people there and there's going to be vendors there. There's always a costume contest and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if I'm going just because I've like been on the go every single weekend and um, I just sort of have to see how I feel. <laughs> if I'm going to be there or not. It does sound cool, though. Anyway, it is. It's very cool. And, um, well, Craig, I saw that you put up um, our post on Disney, on Disney Unplugged Facebook page about our Q&A episodes coming up. Did you want to remind the folks about those? Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, first thing I have to say is the, the original post went out Friday, and then it was removed at some point i'm not quite sure uh, when it was so i i i'm just not positive how many questions were asked if anyone did see it that day and then uh had their questions erased but it's up on facebook.com slash disunplugged now so uh, i've triple checked three times to make sure it's still up there and and michael has mm-hmm. seen it too so we know for a fact that it is I'm there looking, and i'm looking at it right yes, now and there's 63 questions already wow so that is awesome because that just went up uh uh, hours ago at this point so already a lot of questions coming in uh you still have plenty of time to ask your questions all the way until november 15th and uh like i said we're going to on last week's episode and if you didn't listen to last week's episode well stop this one and go back and listen first do it in the right order as as you should but yeah we're going to be doing uh, question and answer episodes later on coming up in december uh, we i want to say the dates on that's like the 6th and the 13th maybe uh not that that's super important on the exact dates it's more important that you ask your question before november 15th uh when the submissions will get cut off but we do quite two question and answer episodes we do one on theme parks and then one on all of the rest whether it's questions about walt disney the studios movies books television imagineering whatever you want to ask that's that's where it'll end up in that other episode and essentially yeah just ask us whatever you want on that facebook post so once again with that it's, with one exception with one exception <laughs> so again you'll find that post over at facebook.com slash disunplug scroll through the timeline it should be pretty close to the top and uh, just leave a comment ask ask your question in there so and if you don't have facebook and you need to find a way to find a friend who has it and let them ask a question on your behalf and uh and that will also count to it but that's the only way we are accepting questions so i do apologize if you want to get in touch with us a different way but we need to keep it all under one place and uh, as michael referred to we will accept all questions with the exception of technically two uh first off no yes or no questions uh, just because it's very hard for us to have a conversation on it so think of a way of asking it with a twist so that we can answer it a little bit more thoroughly than by just saying yes or no if if that's if you really want us to answer your question and then as always please do not ask us what our opinions are on what we think walt would feel about this or that or what he would think about this or that we don't know or what he would do Yes, uh, nothing about that. No, no. what would Walt fill in the blank after that? We will not answer those questions. Uh, we, of course, love seeing when, when people ask them anyways because they know they're just messing with us and trying to get under our skin. And uh, it, it, do, it doesn't work, but 
I respect the uh, I respect the effort in trying to annoy us, but we won't answer those questions. So uh, they're always fun episodes, and we usually get through a, a good amount of, of questions. Not sixty, uh, but we we, <laughs> we genuinely uh, we we try to get through as many as we can. So uh, you have a little bit more time to ask away. So head over to facebook.com slash disunplugged. Ask your questions, and maybe you'll hear us answer your question. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. And please ask your question, submit the questions by November 15th, because uh, I need time to gather them all up and um, categorize them and sort through them and, you know, all that kind of stuff. If any require research, which a couple might... Um, just so that I can get dates right uh, or facts, some facts right. Uh, you know, I need time to do that since we're heading into the holidays. So, all right. Thank you, Craig. Okay. For the last two episodes, I've talked about the Dreams Unlimited Travel exclusive adventures by Disney London and Paris tour that I was fortunate enough to have been a part of. In the first episode of that series, I talked about our adventures in London and Paris. And in the second, I talked about the Disneyland Hotel and our tour with a Disney Imagineer. And you know what, folks? You can ask me all you want who it was, and you can shoot me out names. I'm not going to tell you who it was, because people are asking me that. Anyway, okay, this adventure is different from the standard London Paris adventure because Disneyland Paris is included in this trip. Normally, guests have to pay for this as an add-on. This week, Craig and I are going to open up our Disneyland Paris park maps and a Disneyland Paris app, which, as I mentioned last week, you pretty much need because... um, that's what that's the times guide is on that and and all that so you you really have to have it and and we'll talk about each realm and the attractions we experienced because craig has also been to disneyland paris and he was there almost exactly a year um before i was so so it means we can share our adventures so so we are all set. Put on your mouse ears and we'll start walking down Main Street USA. Now, we talked a lot about Main Street USA last week because that was one of two places uh, our Imagineer friend took us. And, uh, you know, but Craig, did you, is there anything you wanted to add about Main Street? Not necessarily. So I know we're going to talk about uh, a restaurant that we mentioned on last week's episode, Waltz. Uh and we'll mention that when we talk about dining in just a little bit, but you know, it's really, we, we covered a a good amount of main street and just talking about the shops and, and the arcades on both sides and, and some of the architectural details. And, you know, we, we didn't mention, I think on that episode about, you know, the, the train is an attraction at Disneyland Paris and you can board it at main street USA. However, when I was there, the train, legitimately always had like an hour wait to try and get on Hmm. it so that was not something that i was able to do i could not justify that amount of time (laughs) i couldn't do it because it was down oh there you (laughs) go it was closed (laughs) so i don't know and i hear i hear the train cars are very nice there are main street vehicles on here there's not as many as you would think there is an omnibus 
uh, there is a paddy wagon, which I think is really cute. And there's a Main Street vehicle. And then there is the uh, horse-drawn, you know, carriage. The the, the horse-drawn, you know, trolley. And that's about it. So, uh, yeah, I, but, um, well, that reminds they're me. They're running all the time. Yeah. And, uh, that, that reminds me too. You, as soon as you mentioned transportation, I thought of another, uh, another aspect of Disneyland Paris, you know, kinetic and moving that I saw in Main Street USA. But while I was there, the parade that was showing was, uh, Stars on Parade that yes. they developed for the 25th anniversary. So that was, it's, it's still running. Yeah. And I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it, I thought it was an enjoyable parade, kind of a mashup of like Festival of Fantasy uh, with a little bit uh, unique takes on their own. And it, it, was, it was one of those things where it was part of my media itinerary while I was there. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily would have stopped and and watched it on my own if if it wouldn't have been for that. And with only, you know, if I only had two days or one day in the park, I probably wouldn't recommend necessarily stopping and and waiting to watch because it was packed up and down main street usa uh people people loved it while while i was there i'm not sure if that's still the uh still holds the same popularity or if it was just that i was there during busy days but it was you know it, it was better than it was better than the parades that we had at Walt Disney World right before we got Festival of Fantasy when it was just let's reuse that the same floats for everything and just really mm-hmm. let it go into disrepair. It, this was not that. Part yeah, part of our experience with ABD and all that is we had a special seating for it or a special standing area over right near uh, it's a small world you know it's very similar to Disneyland um, the you know they had gates that opened and the uh, the um, you know the parade exited from there into the park and uh, I thought it was really well done the floats were great very colorful I haven't posted photos of that yet I might have by the time we record but or by the time the show goes up. Uh, but um, I thought the characters are great. They had an abundance of characters. They Their face characters at this park are spot on. Um, you know, we've, I think on other shows, we've talked about uh, sometimes face characters at like the Magic Kingdom, Walt Disney World, not quite on, you know, on character. But and mm-hmm. you know Disneyland California, they're spot on as well. Um, I was very impressed with the number of characters that were out and about, and the face characters were always um, were were excellent. I mean, they did a good job. Yeah, and I'm I'm using my memory on a lot of it. It's been a while since I've watched my video back on it, but I remember being very impressed with the Finding Nemo floats the peter pan floats and then uh then of course well not of course unless you've seen it and know but uh when i mentioned it's close to festival of fantasy uh, they also have a maleficent dragon the exact same one that we have here and i want to say when i was out there it was just after uh, the little incident with with our maleficent out here catching fire so neither one of them were breathing fire while i was there but it's still it's still an awesome unit no matter no matter if it's working at its full potential or not 
Yeah. Oh yeah, Maleficent was back to her old um, smoky, spiry self. So, anyway. Okay, and like we mentioned last week, uh, this is a gorgeous main street. Again, the detail, the richness of it, uh, the, again, the, the word lavish, it's just beautiful. Uh, what how they design this and you know even in and you st- and it has that sort of intimate feeling that i think disneyland does even though it is a larger main street so there's something about it that um maybe it's the detail i don't know so but um let's go into adventureland and according to the map this is, it says welcome to the world of explorers and adventurers and this is not the Disney, the Adventureland we know not going to see jungles and things like that here. I mentioned last week this is more character based based on like the Lion King, Aladdin um, Pirates of the Caribbean, things like that so they do have uh, they, they have the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse there that is you know like like the one in the Magic Kingdom you know and, and we mourned the loss of the one in um Disneyland, at least I do. Um, I'm just so impressed that they would have built another one of these. I'm, I'm delighted that they did. I mean, Tony Baxter loves this film, and he loves this this attraction. Yeah, and just like in Magic Kingdom, it's easy to get through. So mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely definitely something to check out. One of the things that, uh, Michael, that I wanted to mention as we, we started with Adventureland, I know that seems natural for people who are very used to Magic Kingdom and in Disneyland Park, but actually for Disneyland Paris, for Disneyland Park there, Adventureland is not the first realm no, that you not. experience if you're talking in a, uh, in a clockwise rotation. That's actually another land, but... Um, oh, do you want to? Should we do that? Should we go in the clockwise? Well, we already started on listed on the map. In, okay. Unless there's any yeah. reason why you want to talk about like transitions or anything, we already started on it, so we might as well just okay. go. Yeah, this would be uh, as you go into the hub area or central plaza. This would be uh, the land that basically is closest to Fantasyland. It would be the second land on the left. Yeah, so. it, this it would be in the area of if you're in Magic Kingdom, this would be right on Liberty Square and Frontierland, yeah. and you know Disneyland, that whole big mashup of Frontierland, New Orleans mm-hmm. Square, and Critter Country. So just to put it into uh, into perspective, which is really it's very it, it's strange because you go to these domestic parks, you're so used to like walking into that area, and you know you're going to see some sort of river and well there is a river in in disneyland park there but just not in the same place so for me i found that to be one of those those off-putting uh off-putting moments where it made me feel lost not that that's a bad thing because when you show up to these parks you don't want it to just be an exact replica of what we could have here so uh, but there is an awesome body of water in Adventureland there that has probably one of the most photographed spots at all mm-hmm. and that's where where they have their their little pirate ship with skull rock and it's you know everyone wants a picture there 
Yeah, yeah. It's the, and of course it's a homage to the one that used to be in Disneyland. That was the Chicken of the, Chicken of the Sea pirate ship. Basically, this is a restaurant also, and there's oh, it was closed near there. Um, but there is, and right near it, there is a pirate's beach. It's two little play areas for for the the budding buccaneers, as they say, from ages um, three to six, and then the other one is for ages seven to um, nine. So anyway, so it's it's cute. And they can go playing in there. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even notice if it was open. I it, well, that was the difficult part with it. With this walk through, is I did walk through, but it was I went in first, and then I noticed other people followed me. And then once I was further in, like around the cave area and such, then I started finding other people. But I uh, I think that just is one of those things that you know some of the walkthroughs at disneyland paris are blatant about where you go in and where you come out and such but this was one of those ones that you kind of experienced more than anything Mm -hmm. else so uh yeah i saw the caves i didn't go into them you didn't miss much on there but Mm -hmm. but that whole area serves a greater purpose as kind of a kind of a a side piece to pirates of the caribbean and which mm-hmm. is very unique compared to what we have at at yeah. our parks. Yes. Um, well, let's let's go over to there. That yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's a whole little area there, and they tell the story in a different way. It's it's sort of reversed from what we're used to. When you enter there, you you go in and you're in basically a Spanish fort that has become flooded. And there there's some cute little scenes in there of the flooding. And then you sort of go down the waterfall and all that. And you're immediately into the battle scene, which is normally a reveal scene for us, where, you know, it's the pirate ship and it's shooting on the the fortress of the town and all that and the rest of it is the scenes you go through it's a more compact version of the disneyland um i think pirates of the caribbean yeah and and then the when you at the the closing scenes are basically abbreviated versions of the opening scenes of disneyland with the um caverns and the pirate and the skeletons and all that they do have captain jack sparrow in there in most of the places we're accustomed to i did not see him in the village scene where he's hiding you know as the person's getting dunked uh, i don't remember the him getting there. Dunked. Yeah. i looked for him there and i didn't see him but he is in the barrel scene and he is in the you know, there is a big treasure scene and when you go through the jail, the prisoners are on both sides of you, and the the dog is on the right side though, yeah. with the key still. The jail's very expansive, and like you said, it's mm-hmm. it, that is one of the ones where it's the jail always signifies you're coming to the end of the ride. So when mm-hmm. when I was on for the first time, and you know, it's very quickly into the ride, we're going through the jail. Just like, well, did I miss something here? Because <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of a sense. But uh, there's uh, there's some really unique uh, scenes in here, though. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people don't love pulling in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies into the, the attraction itself. But there is um, 
there is a one awesome Barbosa animatronic that mm-hmm. has this effect switching from you know normal to to skeleton that is it's stunning it's it's really well it done it wasn't you know it, i didn't see it working properly when i was there it, oh, it wasn't no. like the shanghai one where captain jack sparrow turns into a skeleton and i thought what's wrong this animatronic should be doing something so the effect wasn't working on him and, and he looked glittery yeah <laughs> no it's it. when it works well it it works well and that is one of the uh, recurring things that you might hear of us talking in regards to disneyland paris is some stuff not being kept up and uh not having maintenance being maintained properly uh that's definitely an issue that they suffer with at at their parks unfortunately yeah, they um and the and but anyway, I, I really like this pirates. This would this is um, I prefer it over the Magic Kingdoms. So yes, definitely a hundred percent. It's better than Magic Kingdoms. Uh, Disneyland, I to me they are Disneyland still has that sentimental value to it. Mm-hmm. But I had a, also if I would have experienced Disneyland Paris's first, I don't know, I might. I I might say it gives it a run for its money when everything's working well. Um, it's yeah, it's yeah. And I haven't cool. seen it when it all works. Well, yeah. So, but but uh, I like the Disneyland. I think Disneyland's attraction is longer. Do you like having uh, the scenes reversed? The opening and closing scenes reversed. Um, and that's that's another tough part of it. I love the scenes in Disneyland because you know with the with the one uh, the one Walt Disney presents where he's I think it was that still or maybe Wonderful World of Color where he's talking about Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, going down the waterfall and eventually going back up. When Walt's telling you why it makes sense, it you kind of have to just step back and be like, yeah, that does make sense. But uh, to me, actually, the reverse chronology actually makes more sense chronologically when it's all said and done. So I I think I pref- I think that's why Disneyland Paris has stood out to me a little bit more is because it made more sense in terms of the timing as you're going through all the scenes to me felt like they naturally progressed into the next versus Disneyland's jump around and then go from them being skeletons to taking form and all of that. But, uh, it's, you know, it, 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 the beautiful part is that they're both way better than magic kingdoms. So <laughs> I, I like Disneyland's that it sets the mood. You you have this eerie, creepy that, mood in the beginning. That is true, and I I wish that they did a little. If they did a little more of that in Disneyland Paris's, I would probably, yeah, yeah it, I'd see them a little, yeah, more yeah. equal. Um, I do like that when you go up the waterfall at Disneyland Paris, they have this chain effect as if you're being pulled up by chains. And um, you can see them t- off to the side. And I thought that was very clever. I don't think I saw that. I'll have to watch back yeah. my video to see if that was captured in there. But I definitely didn't yeah. notice it with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another major attraction here is Indiana Jones in the Temple of Peril. This is not 
the Indiana Jones ride that is at Disneyland or um, Tokyo Disney Sea. This is it says you face the wrath of the gods on a mine car looping at high speed through an ancient temple ruins, and this was not operating. When we were yeah. there. Was it running when you were there, Kurt? Yeah, this is one of the biggest disappointments because I I had grown up reading about it once they, they put it in and such. And, it, you know, anything Indiana Jones, of course, I'm going to take notice of it. But essentially, this is an off-the-shelf roller coaster with one loop. And I think I told the story about it when we talked about Disneyland Paris after my trip is – uh, one of my one of my friends, the friend of the Diz, one of the Marks, uh, told me that Disneyland Paris, after opening, started losing attendance to some of the other theme parks around that actually had big roller coasters and looping roller coasters, and and adding this attraction in was a way to to try to appeal to the thrill seekers having having the loop, but the entire plant area of this is is no bigger than your average wild mouse coaster and the mm-hmm. the turns are very tight it it really throws you and jostles you around a lot and it's a very short roller coaster it's it's honestly one of those it's one of those rides where if it wasn't for the fact that it took up so little land and so many people enjoyed doing it i think it would have been torn out long before so there, there's some cool little like ar- uh, archaeological nods to indiana jones and such through the queue but it's you really did not miss anything except for you know straining your neck and back i know they used to run it backwards to try to make it more thrilling they were doing that for a little while yeah don't don't need to <laughs> okay, there is another walkthrough in here, and it is, uh, and it's a walkthrough, and you, it tells the story of Aladdin. It has little dioramas in it. This was one of my favorites. Yeah, it's it's very well done. Yeah, uh, on the same level as the Sleeping Beauty Castle walkthrough at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The dioramas you could really spend a lot of time looking looking at them, and it it told the story very well for essentially being just static static views of the scenes from the movie so really really worth taking the time to walk through it won't take you any more than four minutes uh, okay and that's pretty much it for that land um and then we already talked about adventure isle that's the secret coves and things like that little pirate hideouts and stuff um Frontierland. they call this the conquest of the west and as craig was saying this would be the first land to your left as you as you enter the hub or central plaza uh the the thing that catches your eye first is the whole story of frontierland revolves around big thunder mountain and that is sitting on top of what we would call tom sawyer island it is right in the center of the rivers so um Anyway, so you, when you board it, you you know you take that mine train and you go under the river. So it's like you're in this mine. It is loud in there, and this is a big thunder mountain. And what I like about it is that the uh, the curves, as a result, aren't quite as tight. So it, I don't. I just I found this such an entertaining and fun roller coaster. Yeah, and 
you know, as you just mentioned there, it's the bulk of the ride takes place on this on the island in the center of the river. And so as you're walking up, if you didn't know, and I'm I'm sorry for all the people we're spoiling this for, but if if you didn't know, like as soon as you're looking at it, you can see clearly where the car is where you're boarding and such. And so if you can't figure out how to get over there, well the only way is by going under the water. There's no just like hidden bridge somewhere around the back of the island or anything you you have to go under and the first time you go under after you leave the station like michael said it is loud but you pick up a little bit of speed and then it kind of quickly goes into the big thunder mountain that you know uh, from the other parks where you're going up the loud chain lift and the bats are there and you know it's it seems pretty normal and i i have to agree with your assessment the the ride portion itself doesn't feel overly thrilling as compared to the other big thunder mountains you know it's it's very similar but you're you're right maybe not as tight on some of those turns not jostling you side to side but the moment of this attraction that makes it stand out even more than the other big thunder mountains and makes it one of my favorite Disney roller coasters in general, when you go back to the other side, to the, the load unload station from the Island, you go back under the water again, but the speed that you take going down into this tunnel like I'm sure it's the space mountain effect where you feel like you're only going where you feel like you're going a hundred miles an hour and really you're only going like 30, but you just feel like you're flying under there because you have mm-hmm. speed going into it. And then you just dive down in this tunnel and it's pitch black, <laughs> pitch black. and <laughs> it's, it is seriously like I can, I can close my eyes and I can feel it. I can feel that moment. It's I, if someone told me unless they physically weren't able to ride big thunder mountain railroad or it was closed if you told me you went all the way to disneyland paris and didn't do it i you know with what i was able to experience at the parks while i was there what was open and such if you told me you missed out on big thunder mountain i'd say you you missed out on easily one of the three best things at both of those Mm -hmm. parks i loved it yeah i did too i think this is my favorite thunder mountain out of all of them. And I love them all. Yeah. Thunder Mountain is one of my favorites. And th- th- I think this is the best. Yeah. It's really it's my favorite. You know, more could be more could be wanted from the uh the queue area. It's a lot of people want to ride it and it it's very at least with the time I was there, it it was very popular. It always had a line about 90 minutes to 2 hours. And the queue doesn't feel like it was necessarily designed to to hold that many people, but that's where uh, it's a big benefit if you do have that VIP fast pass, or if you can just get there early and get a fast pass for the attraction. But Mm -hmm. it's it's a must do. The other major attraction in this land is Phantom Manor, their version of the Haunted Mansion. It says, encounter restless spirits as you unravel the mystery of the ghostly bride. And this is a mystery because I I told the storyline that we were told last week. I bought the Phantom Manor book and I'm, um, I've got to read it to see, okay, do they explain the story? But... 
I uh, oh the, somebody wrote uh, you seem to know a lot about Disneyland Paris that that secret fast pass line I talked about apparently it's for um, the people who have that VIP fast pass and all that. Mm, they said okay. sometimes the um, sometimes uh, the cast members will, will sh- have a little pixie dust and let people with the other fast passes through and all that but um, it just sort of depends so I thought oh okay that's good to know. They, but you know they didn't tell us that when we were given them originally. Yeah. But um, but this is, it's neat. I the exterior doesn't bother me. This was one of the, I think this was one of those early Ken Anderson renderings or Harper Goffs or something. And um, the, you know so it's more of the spooky, scary one. But I, I, it fits in perfectly there in yeah. the setting. Yeah. And. You know, you walk in through the front door, which I love. So instead of a side door or something like that. And, you know, it starts out very familiar with the stretching room and all that. And they've they've put back the Vincent Price narration, some of it, anyway. And then um, it's, it starts out very familiar, except we have this whole story of the bride. The bride is right there in the in that limbo loading area. So that's actually a room of the Haunted Mansion that you're in. You do, I do like that there is a walkthrough portion of it uh, because for me, that that's why I like Disneyland so much is because you feel like you're really walking through a, a mansion, a building. It's not as long as Disneyland's, but it's long enough. And then you board your doom buggies and... You head off, and it starts out pretty much the same. And then, you know, we have the ballroom, we have the seance room, and then you, uh, you know, you go, you know, in reverse order, you go through the corridors. There's a um, harps, the harpsichord that's at the Magic Kingdom's version is in that corridor you go through where, you know, normally we see the casket with the person yelling, let me out, let me out, the, the the harpsichord playing by itself is in there. And then you go through the attic, but then when you fall out of the attic, we go into the graveyard, but we actually fall, from what I can tell, inside of a grave. And it, this is where the creepiness starts. Because as you go down, there's like these buried skeletons reaching out at you, and re- and there's these half-open coffins you know, all off kilter mm. and all that. I mean, it is creepy. And then the then the singing busts are there, completely out of place. Um, they should have been elsewhere in the attraction, maybe a little earlier. And then, then you go into this whole, it looks like it's a western town of the dead. It's like these undead in there, and, and you just go through, and there's a saloon, and they're playing cards. There's a card game where it looks like it's all ghosts playing, because you don't see who's playing, but they're putting down cards and, and all that. I mean, the game's actually going on in front of your eyes. And then they have all the familiar characters in the mansion, you know, in the cemetery that, that we're used to. Um, also, this phantom of the manor is he's appearing at different times like looks like he's the one that dug the grave um he's down in this western town that we meet the narrator uh, who's been telling the whole story who removes his head uh, you know at one point and then um 
instead of the hitchhiking ghost, suddenly, I guess the old, we've never really seen the face of the bride, but when she appears, it's clear it looks like she's also sort of dead and zombified kind of thing. And then she's asking, will you marry me? And all that. And she's sitting in your doom buggy and it's, and she's creepy looking. And then, um, and then when you leave, it's like, uh, I don't know if they still have this effect in all the mansions, but as you leave, you hear the laugh of the ghost house because the mansion always has the last laugh. And that was an effect that was in all the mansions at one time, but I think it's been lost in some of them. Yeah. So Yeah. It is really well done. We just kept going on this over and over again. So I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I will see it one day. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, now I don't know where this ranks up there because, you know, I love Disneyland's, but... I also love Walt Disney World, so I go back and forth. It depends on my mood, which one I prefer. I like Mystic Manor a whole lot um, at Hong Kong. Of course, Shanghai doesn't have their own. Uh, Tokyo Disneyland basically has the Magic Kingdoms, um, but a little larger. And then, um, yeah, and then this one. So I have to think about where I rank this one. Yeah. My. It's interesting. Yeah. Because I I heard a lot of from people who have done this version versus the original version of it that uh, the only thing they would say is that the original version seemed to be a little bit scarier than after they re they've done this complete renovation on it. Not like not that they changed anything. Most of it actually remained very similar. Uh, to mm-hmm. what it was before, but uh, a couple of people that I talked to said it didn't feel as eerie as it did before. So, uh, oh, okay. But and with that saying, well, it's it makes it a lot more difficult. But uh, before then, a lot of people I know said if they if they were experienced this one, it was their favorite. Oh, okay. I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite. It would still be Disneyland or the Magic Kingdoms, depending upon how I go. I just don't, depending on my mood. Um, It's this, do I prefer this one over Mystic, uh, Phantom Manor over Mystic Manor? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know, because Mystic Manor, the effects are amazing. And, and, but Phantom Manor is creepier. So I'm, so I'm not sure. So (laughs) Mystic Manor might have the edge on it just because the effects are, are sort of mind blowing. Yeah, because it, it's it's like they have this three dimensional effect, but it's not. But you're not wearing glasses. Yeah, yeah. So it's really impressive. It's and it's going to be interesting because I think however they did it at Mystic Manor, we're going to see those effects even better in, in Mickey's Runaway Railway Railroad. Yeah, yeah. So. There's a few other things in here, too. There's a, a Rustler Roundup shooting gallery. There's, oh, the Thunder Mesa Riverboat um, landing. You go around the river, and I didn't go on it. They have the Molly Brown and a Mark Twain, but I only saw the Molly Brown out. Uh, they um, 
you know, I, I don't think it has a lot. Like, you know, Disneyland sort of has a story. I th- get the impression it's closer to the Magic Kingdoms, but there's stuff to look at. Like, they have geysers and yeah. things, but um, it, I'm not sure if there's a lot going on there. No, and it's a very, uh, very small compared to the other mm-hmm. river boats. So it's almost... Yeah, almost not fair to even call it a riverboat. It is. They are smaller. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a Frontierland playground for the little little cowboys and, and cowgirls. Uh, there's a Frontierland theater, but that was not open. And the Disneyland Railroad does have a depot here. So um, anyway, so that's it for Frontierland. And again, wonderfully themed, very lush in the sense that um, a lot of big trees and shrubs and um, bushes and things like and, and flowers. They were also doing the um, Day of the Dead celebration. So there was a lot of cocoa-themed uh, things there as part of their their Halloween. And then they did have a lot of Halloween decorations in here, very similar to how Disneyland used to decorate the Big Thunder Ranch. Oh, very nice. I always love that style. Mm-hmm. So let's see. And then if we keep sort of going around, we'd hit Frontierland, Adventureland. Then we go Fantasyland. All the magic of the great Disney classics. Of course, we spoke about the castle last week. And, you know, I think this is the most beautiful of all the castles that I've seen. I've seen yep. them all now. So. And I, a great way to take in the Fantasyland at Disneyland Park here in Disneyland Paris is actually, it, it helps with the castle in that uh, the castle is, it has multiple levels to it. And mm-hmm. there is a great, there is a great vantage point of Fantasyland from the back of the castle looking out to the entire land. And it's just, it's a great it's a great place to kind of get your bearings. So the uh, fantasy land for a whole feels very familiar to the other, uh, fantasy lands in terms of the layout for the most part, there, there's some differences there, but, but being able to stand on the backside of the castle and look out is just, it, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, the second floor, it, it tells the whole story of sleeping beauty through stained glass and tapestries. And it's really neat. And yeah, like you said, you can go out and on the second floor. One thing, I want to go back to the Phantom Manor. What I almost forgot was definitely you want to check out Boot Hill, which is easy to miss because it's sort of around to the side of Phantom Manor. And they have some really funny graves and monuments. A cup, there's one or two that are a little risque. Um, like there's one, well, the Ravenwoods are there. And of course, that's a that's the story but there's one the tombs uh, uh, Jasper Jones loyal man's servant died 1866 kept the master happy and then there's Anna Jones faithful chambermaid died 1867 kept the master happier so um, <laughs> that's funny I thought yeah so so they have fun. so it's fun go go ahead and check that out so Anyway, so uh, we already talked about the dragon down below, the largest audio animatronic. I mentioned Terry Harden in the beginning of the show was going to be at MouseCon. She, of course, was one of the puppeteers, you know, and and Imagineers who worked on the the, um, dragon. 
So they have here all of the uh, all of the uh, all of the the very familiar attractions. They do have the, the you know Pinocchio's Adventures here. Um, it, it's it's a smaller, more compact version of the one at Disneyland California. It's in French, so um, but that's not a problem. Um, they have a beautiful. Um, carousel it's it's lancelot's carousel so it's not even themed to a film really it is beautiful the animals on it they had peter pan's flight so did you go on this one i did go on uh peter pan's flight and uh very unique in terms of the uh, ride vehicle for it so we're still flying on peter pan's flight but uh this has each ship has two rows so Mm-hmm. You might you might be riding with a friend that you never knew before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did, and you, and then um, it's again, it's very compact. It's really nicely done. Very little dialogue, unlike the North American parks. It basically has, it just runs the music, the soundtrack, the way the original, the way the attractions did originally at Disneyland. They didn't have dialogue. They basically just re they ran they ran the soundtrack over and over again. Yeah, and this was, that was kind of a disappointment to me in a way because like I rode I rode Pinocchio and I rode Snow White first. So having that nice blend of French dialogue with the with the same attractions that I know and love from Disneyland, like that that really appealed to me. And then to go on Peter Pan's flight, I had to stop and think for a second when I got out. I was like. Was any of that in French? Did was did anything yeah. happen? And so it, it luckily I was it is a fast pass attraction, so I I didn't feel like I wasted time waiting in line for it, but it it was not my favorite of Fantasyland. Mm-hmm. No, mine either. So um, yeah, I, I, this is probably out of all the Peter Pan flights I've been on, this is my least favorite. So. Um, they do have a Fantasyland station for the Disneyland Railroad here. They have a Mickey Mouse meet and greet. They built the building for the 25th anniversary. It looks terribly out of place. It was in front of the main st- the, the railroad station, and it's it's a theater. And basically, you're going backstage to meet Mickey. You know that kind of thing. So um, yeah, and they also have the uh, the the princess meet and greet area. In a, in a building back back in Fantasyland, too. But you still see the princesses coming and going from backstage. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about it when I, I did my show on Disneyland Paris. They, I hope it's still the case from when I was there. But basically, they wear these giant robes over top of them as they're leaving so they don't get bombarded. And so they all look like Handmaid's Tales Uh characters hmm. in that so i didn't see them okay well maybe they they don't do that anymore and they found a, a more practical method but it, it when i went there was only two places in disneyland park that had wi-fi and so i was i kind of had to keep going back and forth to those two and one of them was in Fantasyland, and and so i saw them coming and going like that very very often but I believe since I've been that the park has been upgraded, so there's Wi-Fi all over now. So there, yeah, it was much yeah. better because you, you're so dependent on the app. It has to be better. Yeah. They they have Dumbo, and of course it's the same as the as Disneyland California's. So 
They, I was so disappointed. There's a whole section that was closed. Um, Alice's Curious Labyrinth. Um, and, and we could see some of it popping up over the top. The, the, you know, the Red Queen's Castle and all that, but mm-hmm. couldn't go into it. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, in terms of a maze, it's not difficult. And it there's so many people going through that it's kind of actually hard to experience it as a true maze. Uh, it's very hard to get lost in there because uh, you, t- you're stuck following the person in front of you and the person in front of you. And, you know, inevitably you find that one person who knows it with their eyes closed so it's not difficult for them but very cool animatronics along the way to help tell the story of of alice Mm. in wonderland in french again and uh you mentioned the queen's castle that's that's probably the coolest aspect of it so you get the counterbalance to that that view of fantasy land that i talked about from from sleeping beauty castle this time you get it looking the opposite direction from the very top and you are you know, you're, I want to say you're like 30, 40 feet up off the ground. So you do have, well, dogs barking in the background. Uh, you, you do have a great vantage point of this entire area from up there. So it's it, it's very cute. I think I think if they could plop that down into any of the other fantasy lands in a way, it would be it would be more than welcome. Good. Yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing it someday. So it was cute. They do have Mad Hatter's teacups, and and that looked good. They uh, another thing that was closed, unfortunately, Storybook Land Canal Boats and Casey Junior Circus Train. I love Storybook Land Canal Boats. I was looking forward to seeing how they recreated this. I've been told they have a Wizard of Oz scene. They do in it. Yeah. And so, oh, were you able to go on this? Yes. So from what I understand, you know, it does close seasonally. And then like a lot of things at Disneyland Paris, it it does close seasonally. But then also, if you're there on a weekday, there's a chance that this back area might not be open. Uh, The Alice's Labyrinth is is very much a part of Fantasyland. I think it's just going undergoing a normal refurb for it. But but the canal boats in Casey Jr. are in – they are kind of like in an area very similar to, to Mickey's Toontown at Disneyland where it's it feels separated from the rest of the – from the rest of Fantasyland in a way. So uh, I think sometimes they just close that area off and don't really – don't really care about it but the canal boats uh the one big difference with that is there was no narrator for it the boats were all automatic so you just you just went through and you know it's very much a very much a small version of disneyland's but uh you know still it was still cool to see but not like if i would have missed it ultimately i can say now being on it that i it would have it wouldn't have been the end of the world and then casey jr was instead of being you know not i don't want to call disneyland slow moving but definitely it's not fast paced in any way uh this one is like a little mini roller coaster in a way not not on the level of of a barnstormer or gadgets go coaster nothing like that but you it's kind of like in between in between Casey Jr. at Disneyland and then those really tame coasters. So you you get you pick up some speed every now and then. 
uh, with it. So uh, very interesting attractions. But because you are moving faster, it's kind of harder to see a lot of the dioramas in the area. So it's it's unique for sure. But uh, no, I, I wouldn't plan a trip all the way back just for those two things if I missed it. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So, all right. Um, and then one of my favorites is It's a Small World. And this has the lovely facade that we enjoy at um, Disneyland California and Hong Kong Disneyland and Tokyo Disneyland. And um, theirs is painted in different colors of pastels. And they're, again, they're, they're more... The, the, they they tend to be the type of pastels that are on the castle and Disneyland Hotel so that they pop against, you know, the gray skies. They do have the exterior loading, you know, that Disneyland has, Disneyland California has. Yes. They have a few topiaries, not many. They don't have the extensive topiary garden of Disneyland Paris, uh, Disneyland California. They do have the clock. Um, it's a little different. It's it's in the center of the um, of the facade rather than off to the side. Yeah, and but it basically works the same way. Yeah, and they're uh, you know you might get worried about their loading area being being outside, uh, like you just said, but it is covered. So mm-hmm. that's that's one good aspect of it. Yeah, and this is. A smaller version, a more compact version of Disneyland's in that it uh, feels, again, like there's a lot going on. Where I always felt that the Magic Kingdom's things are spread out too much. Yes. Whereas Disneyland is just chock full of stuff and ornamentation and dolls and things like that. So that is, that is Disneyland Paris's. They, um, they, they, the song is in, you know, English, French, you know, everything you're just fine with it. They do not have characters, the Disney characters in it, the way they've been added at, at some of the other parks. Uh, they have um, they have a very extensive United States um, scenes. I mean, yeah. they go on. And they're beautifully done. And I wish at Disneyland California they could have done you know, taken a little more of what they did at Disneyland Paris and put it in that section because I feel that it's very sparse. Yeah, you know, what they did at Disneyland California. It is, but it feels less stereotypical in a way. And uh, kind of going off one of the jokes I made last week, you know, plenty of Americans were the ones who, who most likely had the final say on it but you know it's like oh we're represented in disneyland paris as it's a small world by football players new york city hollywood like it's it it feels weird to yeah. be stereotyped <laughs> yeah cowboys and indians but you know probably everybody sees their country and portrayed in there and feels oh, exactly the yeah, same way but it was charming and it was well done and the colors were terrific and again there was a lot there unlike that scene in disneyland california so i thought they pulled it off really yeah well. oh i, I and, yeah the 
to me the the America section is cool. It's part of what makes it stand out uh, mm-hmm. to the other. It's a small world, but I thought this is actually you know this to, in my opinion blows away Magic Kingdoms. And I agree. It, it's one where it just it can't it can't beat out Disneyland's. Disneyland's is just too perfect. But mm-hmm. I, you, I think you undersold how frantic this one is and and how compacted is and putting everything together i i hate my video from this ride because i can i can tell how much i'm missing having experienced it and then knowing like okay to really do it justice my camera is constantly moving back and forth like i couldn't even do a multiple Mm -hmm. angle cut of it because there's no there's no dead areas like there are at, at the Magic Kingdom version, and and also you know closer at Disneyland. Well, even at Disneyland, but, there's some sections who are definitely like in the um, tropical scenes. You know, we just have that wall. Yeah, you know, and Nemo is on there, and Dory, and all that. But there's nothing like that at the actions on both sides yeah. of Disneyland and, Paris, and it feels like I it just, moves I, through so fast. I thought the yeah I thought the final scene that you know Teresa Eccles on our Orlando show calls the Heaven Room, I thought that could have had a little more going on in it. Agree. I was a little disappointed with it. It was the one place but, that lacked anything happening in there, really. Yeah, yeah. It was still lovely, but and you know, and I, I wanted to tra- say, oh, it took down the overall feeling of the attraction, but um, it it was a little less kinetic and a little less um energetic in there so um but a beautiful it's a small world attraction overall so and then and then as you mentioned there's the princess pavilion there's a royal castle stage um i don't remember if i talked about the show there was a great uh villain show I, and I think all it was was it, I have no idea it was in French and I think they basically paraded out all the villains and they sang their song and um, it was but they had a lot of a lot of villains in it but the most fascinating thing out of it was Ursula, Ursula was the hostess of this show and her tentacles were amazing. I don't know how they did it. If they were done by air or were they audio animatronic, they were always moving and, you know, the, I mean, you would have believed she was going to reach out and grab someone. I mean, that's how good they were. So, um, really well done. And, hmm. uh, yeah, I didn't have any time to catch any shows. So, obviously, mm-hmm. when I was there, it would have been a different one. But, yeah, just no time for shows it felt like when i was there they maybe had like two a day maybe three and just felt like i could they, never time ha- it right yeah they only had like three or so a day for this one but um anyway and then we come finally to discovery land dreams of the future from the past and present and this one is different. It's not Tomorrowland. It is Discoveryland. This is themed, as I mentioned last episode, to what people like at the 18th and, you know, turn of the 19th century imagine the future would be like. So it's all very, it's very steampunkish kind of thing. Also, if you listen to our episode that Craig and I did on, uh, you know, the call it Neverland, the Disneyland that was never built, uh, and um, 
it was on Discovery Bay. That basically is where Galaxy's Edge is now. And it was a Tony Baxter creation. There are so many elements of Discovery Bay in Discovery Land in here. Like the, um, they have the, the, Cafe Hyperion, where from Island at the Top of the World, they have the big dirigible in its hangar there. And it is a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Uh, The restaurant is great for seating. The food was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I had a terrible burger. But I needed to sit down. And they have a Videopolis stage in there, which is what Disneyland's Fantasyland Theater originally was. And so I guess they do shows and concerts in there. So that's why there's so much seating at this place. They were showing those um, Disney Channel Mickey Mouse shorts, though, in there. So, um, but, you know, and of course, the big thing here that I didn't get to ride because it was constantly breaking down was Star Wars Hyperspace Mountain. And this Space Mountain is different because you start on the exterior and it's based on the film from the earth to the moon you get like shot in a cannon up into space mountain and you see it on the outside and i guess this space mountain has a corkscrew it has a loop-de-loop so this is supposed to be intense craig did you get to ride this i did and uh i you know i wish i would have had the chance to to ride it as its original state, not not with Star Wars being involved on there, but I will say, as a Star Wars hyperspace mountain coaster, to me, as much as I love Disneyland's, this one actually succeeds more because with the looping, with with all those elements, it actually feels more like you could be in an X-Wing flying around doing all those maneuvers. Like, uh, it's, it's, you know, that's like the one downside of Disneyland's is when in an X-Wing you're ever going slowly up a chain lift to to join a battle or anything. Like, that's it's not Star Wars, but, but this one actually does feel very Star Wars in how it's it's been put together. So I I, I thought it was a lot of fun. You know, it, it, not as good as Big Thunder Mountain when when you're comparing coasters, but it was it, it lived up to years of expectations of, of seeing the 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 vehicle shoot up off the side of Space Mountain and go into the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I want to ride this. I take it my motion sickness pills and everything, but it just kept breaking down so much. And then when it was up and running, the lines were huge, even the fast pass lines. So um, anyway, they have um, they also have Star Tours. The adventure continues. It's like uh, it's like ours, you know, without Batu uh, Batu in it. Uh, it's in French, but it was fun. See, um, I got unlucky when I went. I, I guess from what I understand is that they have versions of it all in French and then some in only English. And hmm. they apparently base it on who's coming through. And I know they asked our group, like, who spoke English in that. And since most of us said yes, ours was in English 100%. And, like, I, I felt like I wasted my time because of it. I wanted mm-hmm. I wanted the French version of it. So French was fun. Yeah. yeah, hearing Darth Vader threaten you in French, that was that, that was great. Great experience. Yeah, that's why it, it sounded it sounded less threatening. Yeah. 
Because French is such a lovely sounding language. Yeah, I, I mean, but that's why I wanted to be in France was to hear these attractions that I know and love in French. So. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness that you know they don't have a German part because if Darth Vader threatening you in German, dear lord, I mean it scare the pants off you. <laughs> it's I mean, what we need. That's a harsh language. <laughs> <laughs> so they have the Orbitron, like all the other Orbitrons, and Disneyland is Astro Orbiter. Yeah, but um, they do have a Disneyland Railroad station here. Um, they have Mickey's Philharmagic. I did not go into it, so I don't know if it's all in French. I imagine it would be, I would think. They have uh, – Autopia was closed for refurbishment. Oh, when so I, I was no there, too. What it looks like. <laughs> yeah. I'm obviously doing a lot of work on it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then they have a walkthrough here, and this is where you walk through the Nautilus. And they do have – in their lagoon there that's, that's part of what um, – Space Mountain is in. Um, they have a they have a big old Nautilus sitting there, and then um, you go in and you feel like you're boarding the Nautilus, and you walk through all the different chambers, the Grand Salon. Uh, the you encounter the squid. You see the engine room, the diving room. Um, there are effects in all of these. Uh, it, you see the organ, Captain Nemo, and there's a little cool effect in there. And uh, you have to really look at the organ for a moment to see it. And uh, this is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, walking through the Nautilus, because yeah. I love the film. It was the best of the walkthroughs, by mm-hmm. far, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It was really well detailed. Um, you felt like you were really walking through the Nautilus. Oh, yeah, it was It was the, without having another 20,000 Leagues attraction, it was about the best love letter that you could hope for, mm-hmm. for 20,000 yeah. Leagues Under the Sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's another, you know, holdover from Discovery Bay. And um, and then they have Buzz Lightyear at Laser Blast that clearly was added later because this building did not fit into the architecture and theme of all the other buildings. Yeah, so, and uh, it's, I mean, it's Buzz Lightyear. So it's, it's Disneyland's and uh, goes back and forth between French and English. And mm-hmm. I... I, I did it. I wasted time riding it. I don't know why. Still trying yeah, to get that Yeah, we went on back. it, too. <laughs> we went on it, too. It seemed, again, a little shorter version. Mm-hmm. But, it, yeah, it, it was Disneyland's where you could pull the gun out and shoot and all that kind of stuff. So, um, now it's time for an adventure through this week in Disney history. Well, we're in November here, Craig. Yes. So, a uh, lot, of, lot of film things um, happening this week in Disney history. So, starting with November 3rd, the first Disney film to be recorded in the Dolby Stereo Sound System and the first involving animation in which none of the nine old men were involved had its world premiere on November 3rd, 1977. What is the name of the film? Mm. You know what? I'm I'm not positive on this one. Mm. I well, they um, remade it a few years ago. Okay, so seventy-seven. What would have been remade? Uh, Pete's Dragon. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. Walt Disney's Pete Stragan had its world premiere. This musical features Helen Reddy as Nora, Mickey Rooney as her father, Red Buttons as Hoagie, Jim Backus as the mayor, Jeff Conaway as Willie, Charlie Callis as Elliot, and Sean Marshall as Peter. Although it is a live-action movie, its title character, a dragon named Elliot, is animated. The song Candle on the Water will receive an Academy Award nomination, and Helen Reddy's recording with a different arrangement than the one her character sings in the film will be released as a single by Capitol Records and reach number 27 on the adult contemporary charts and Pete Dragon will be generally released December 16th 1977 so do you have a preference Craig over which version uh, the- I I love Pete Dragon I it, it it is not a good movie though <laughs> Um, no, it's not. It's it's not. So in terms of like actual quality, I think the I think the reimagined version is actually really well done. Uh mm-hmm. it's it's one of my favorite reimaginings. But I, I still have a really a really big soft spot for for the original. It's over long and the, there's so many cheesy moments to it and again it's not a well-made movie, but it's. Uh, I think it. It still has a charm to it. That, yeah, Shelley Winters. Oh gosh, I thought. Gosh, how sad. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, November fourth. What Walt? What Disney character made their first appearance in print in the Donald Duck Sunday strip drawn by Al Taliaferro on November fourth, nineteen thirty-eight? Oh man, you are asking the tough ones today. Um, well, this is not one of your favorite characters. I well, I was. I think that just solidified it. But I was going to lean this way anyways, just because it goes hand in hand with Donald. But I'm going to say Daisy. You're right. It is Daisy Duck. Okay. All right, November fifth, the first Disney film to use the multi-plane camera, a device invented by Ub Iwerks and refined with the Disney staff, that adds realism to the animation, was released by RKO Radio Pictures on November fifth, nineteen thirty-seven. What is the name of the film? That would be the Old Mill. That's correct. The Silly Symphony cartoon short, The Old Mill, directed by Wilfred Jackson. The multiplane camera gives depth by using layers of backgrounds painted on glass. And this is about an abandoned mill, which is now a home for wildlife as they survive a storm. And this short and the camera will both win Oscars. Yep. One of my favorite Halloween, non-Halloween shorts. Mm-hmm. Mine too. Very eerie. Yes. So. November 6th, on November 6th, 1946, Walt Disney wrote his annual birthday letter to his younger sister, Ruth, who will turn 43 on December 6th. The letter and its enclosed check is being sent earlier than usual because he is leaving on this day for the premiere of Song of the South in Atlanta, Georgia. Walt explained how after the premiere, he'll be flying up to New York to board the Queen Elizabeth for a trip to England and Ireland, where he'll be gathering background material in Ireland for a new film. What will be the name of this film? Uh, I'm assuming it's... Um... Oh my gosh, why the Darby O'Gill and the Little People. That's correct. <laughs> Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which will be released on June 24th, 1959. 
So that gives you some idea how long it takes yeah. to develop a film. I was about to hurt myself there because I almost said I captured the king of the leprechauns. I'm like, if I can talk about the the Walt Disney uh, the the Disneyland story episode about Darby O'Gill, but I can't get the actual name of the movie, then I'm really embarrassing myself here. <laughs> Okay, November 7th. Actress Lucille Laverne is born in Nashville, Tennessee on November 7th, 1872. Known for her appearances in silent films for her scolding, obnoxious, sarcastic, cunning, and vengeful roles, she is best remembered as the voice of which Disney villain? I I know that's like picking choosing which one i'm not quite sure though mm, well it was the first disney villain then the queen the evil queen that's right the evil queen grimhilda and her alter ego the old hag in snow white and the seven dwarfs released in 1937 this is walt disney's first animated film she was also the artist's model for the old hag mm, what a looker then yeah, I know. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Okay, on um, November 8th, although running since September, an attraction had an official opening in the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World on November 8th, 1980. It is the second one of its kind, as a similar version opened in Disneyland in 1979. Which attraction? I b- had its official opening. I believe we talked about it uh, very much in depth as of very, very recent. So, uh, Big Thunder. That's right. Big, the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And finally, November 9th, Disneyland closes the turnstiles at the end of the day on November 9th, 1994 for one of its oldest and most popular attractions. Walt Disney World's version of this attraction will close Five years later, what attraction is this? Just doing the math in my head, I'm going to say probably Skyway. That's right. The Skyway, a gondola lift attraction. The Skyway, open since June 1956, is reportedly closed due to stress cracks and the cost to retrofit it for earthquake safety. Built by Von Roll Limited, based in Bern, Switzerland, it was the first Von Roll Type 101 aerial ropeway in the United States. Did very well this week, Craig. Yeah, no, you chose a lot of easy ones, so thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. Well, wow, that we pretty much covered all of Disneyland Paris. We'll get into the shops and restaurants and merchandise and all that next week. But next week, we go into its sister park, Walt Disney Studios. <laughs> the walk's going to be a lot less for this one, kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, very much like the actual experience of being in there. Uh, it's it's It feels like you were there longer than you were. And you're glad to be out once you <laughs> yeah. get out. The best part, well, we'll talk about, of course, the stunning attraction that we'll all get to enjoy someday here at Epcot. But they had a great food and wine festival over at the Walt hmm. Disney Studio Park. And it was a lot of fun because it was all from different regions around Paris, and including, the, including wines and beers and 
all that. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's to, to try out new things. That's neat, and I, yeah. I we already recorded the episode, so I know we forgot to mention it at that. But it's also you know it, we're gonna rag on that park. Not a lot, not not in a mean way, but we definitely don't have too many bright things to say. But but a bright thing to say about it is it is the place where you can see partners in in Disneyland Paris. So because mm-hmm. that's not you're not going to find that over at Disneyland Park. So no, that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Craig. Until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? You can find me on the various shows on the Disunplugged Podcast Network that I'm on, and then also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. Michael, what about you? Well, you can send me messages at Michael at wdwinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Check for all. For photos of what we've been talking about, um, go to the one with the Connecting with Walt banner. Instagram, I'm Michael Bowling the Diz. And you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter, at ConnectingWalt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studios, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplug.com. Look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. Thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney and his brother Roy. Mm-hmm.